I just can't do it anymore. I have nothing left. Between the divorce, the cancer, your mom dying and being laid off, I know it feels like you're going through a lot. <laughs> Believe me, I have been there. Just remember, when God closes a door, he opens a window. And never forget, God never gives you more than you can handle. Uh, uh, uh. God never said that. Oh, I've got another one if you want to take a shot. Yeah, they come as a pair. Bring it. I love those. Hey, you take out your Bibles this morning, your mobile devices, whichever you choose to use, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Um, we'll also put some verses on the screen so you can follow along. Uh, this is the concluding week of our series, God Never Said That. As far as the teaching portion goes, we're wrapping it up today, but we're going to do something special. Next Sunday, we're going to answer your questions about this series. So if you have any questions from any of our four weeks, including today or the other three that we've already done, just put those on your connection card on the other line. We don't even need your name or anything. Drop them in the offering bucket, and I'll be answering your questions about this series. We're also going to give some of you an opportunity to share uh, what God has done and what he's taught you through this series. But we're wrapping it up today, our series, God Never Said That. We're looking at cultural beliefs about God, statements that people make that they attribute to God or the Bible. The first week we talked about uh, God just wants you to be happy, and God never said that. We talked about it doesn't matter what you do as long as it doesn't hurt someone. God never said that. But this is a big one today. We've saved the best for last. You've probably heard this. Maybe you've said this. I've even said this before. God will never give you more than you can handle. How many of you have ever heard that or said that before? Very popular statement. You know, it's been said that we are all going through three seasons of life. There's three seasons in our life when it comes to trials and tribulations that we find ourselves in. We're either going into a trial, we're in the middle of a trial, or we're coming out of a trial. Can anyone attest to that? Amen? We're either going into one, we're in the middle of one, or we're coming out of one. And sometimes there's times in our life we just feel like I'm at the end of my rope. God has given me more than I can handle right now. This is more than I can handle. And, and some of you maybe this morning can relate to this. Maybe you're going through a financial struggle. You're struggling with your marriage or there's a health situation you're struggling with. Maybe it's something with your job or, or your kids. You know, as parents, when our kids are struggling, we're struggling. It can feel like more than we can handle. I mean, it's Mother's Day. And, and maybe as a mom, you're like, man, sometimes I feel like as a mom, this is more than I can handle. I've got my career. I'm trying to take care of the house, the laundry, uh, meals, my kids. And then there's that big kid you have to try to take care of. Right, ladies? And sometimes you can feel like this is more than I can handle. I, I just can't take it anymore. And about the time we feel that way, some well-meaning Christian comes along and they give us some annoying advice. You know, something like, uh, when God closes a door, he opens a window, and that sounds really cute, unless you're on the 12th floor, then that's kind of scary. Someone says, if God closes a door and he opens a window, either that or the house is haunted. You know, what, what does that really mean? Or, or people say this one a lot, God helps those who help themselves. God never said that either, but that's for a whole other message another day. But the one we're talking about today is that when somebody says to you, God will never give you more than you can handle when you feel like you're at the end of your rope, God never said that. 
God never said that. You say, well, where do people get that? What is that based on? Well, it's based on a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and let's read it together. We'll also put it on the screen for you. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 13, and this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he's writing the church in Corinth, and he's rebuking them because they, they were sinning a lot. I mean, there was a lot of things they were not doing right. And in that context, he writes this, the temptations, everybody say temptations. That's the key word. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Are you thankful for that? Amen. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you, let's say it together, a way out. A way out from what? The temptation, so that you can endure. That's the verse that people usually quote out of context to say, God will never give you more than you can handle. But he's not talking here about trials and tribulations. He's talking about being tempted to sin. This word temptation in 1 Corinthians comes from the Greek word parasmos, and it means enticement to sin, enticement to sin. So this verse is not saying God will never give you more than you can handle when it comes to the trials and challenges and difficulties of life. As a matter of fact, if you read the Bible long enough, you're going to discover story after story and example after example in the Bible where God did allow people to face more than they could handle. Let me remind you of a man named Gideon. You know, Gideon, God asked him to, to do some incredible things, and Gideon was like, I'm the least of my tribe. I can't do this, God. This is more than I can handle. Uh, there was a man named Moses. Remember Moses? God came to Moses. He said, listen, I want you to lead the nation of Israel, my children, out of Egypt and out of their bondage. I want you to go before Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the earth at that time that was in charge, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And Moses was like, no way, Jose. I can't do that. I can't handle that. I can't even speak. I stutter. This is more than I can handle. There's a story about a woman in the Bible named Esther that God had asked her to risk her life and do some incredible things, and she was scared, and she was afraid, and it was more than she could handle. Let me remind you of a man named David. He wrote most of the Psalms, and in, in Psalm chapter 38, verse 4, David, when he was going through a trial and a difficult time in life, listen to the words he used. He said, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden. Somebody help me out. Too heavy to bear. What was he saying? This is more than I can handle. I'm exhausted. I'm completely crushed. And then let me remind you of Jesus himself. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, right before he was arrested, and then he was crucified. This is what it says in Mark chapter 14, verse 33. He became, Jesus became deeply troubled and distressed, and he told them, his disciples, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. I'm facing something bigger than what I can handle. So when someone says, God will never give you more than you can handle... God never said that, which leads us then to ask the question, why would God allow you and I to have more than we can handle? Because you see examples in scripture where people have more than they can handle. There's times in my life, in your life, some of you may be there today, you can relate to this, and you feel like, man, you're describing my situation, my life right now, I feel like this is more than I can handle. Why would God allow you to have more than you can handle? Well, I want to spend the rest of our time answering that question with two reasons. 
And this is going to encourage some of you. This is going to strengthen some of you. It's going to build your faith. It's going to lift you up. This is exactly what you need to hear from God and his spirit and word today. Why would God allow you to have something more than you can handle? You have this in your notes. If you're taking notes in the back of your newsletter, the first reason is this, to experience his presence, to experience his presence in your life. Sometimes God will allow you to face something that is more than you can handle to draw you to himself so you can experience his presence in your life. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I've noticed it in my life sometimes that when things are really good, you know, the bills are all paid and everybody's healthy and the marriage is great and everything's good, we sometimes tend to forget about God. We tend to drift from God. You know, like, I'm good, God, everything's going great. I'll let you know when I, I need you. You can see that happen with the children of Israel in the Bible. When they were in the wilderness and there was no food and no water for 40 years, they had to depend on the power and strength and presence of God every single day. And they were very close to God. He led them, you know, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and and they experienced his presence. But the moment they got into the promised land where it flowed with milk and honey and there was an abundance of blessing, it didn't take very long. They forgot about God. If you're with me, say yes. They forgot about his presence. They begin to drift away from him. And sometimes God will allow us to face something more than we can handle so that we'll experience his presence in our life. I want to ask you to do this right now. I want you to think back in your mind, in your life, to a time that you were closest to God. You know, when you felt his presence and his strength and his power in your life, when, when was that time you said, man, I mean, I was talking with God, I was walking with God, I was praying, I was in his word. Think, when in your life was that happening? And I want you to think about that right now. I bet for most of us, it takes us back to a trial, doesn't it? It takes us back to a difficult time in life, a challenging time in life, where God got our attention to draw us back to himself so we could experience his presence in our life. Do you all believe that God knows how to get our attention when we drift away from his presence, amen? He knows how to get our attention. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Jonah. You know, it's, it's referred to as Jonah and the whale. We don't know for sure if it was a whale. It was a really big fish. It very likely could have been a whale. And God came to this man, Jonah, and said, Jonah, I want you to go and preach the message of the good news to a, a city called Nineveh. Tell them about me. And Jonah said, no way. I don't like the city of Nineveh. I don't like the people of Nineveh. I'm not doing it. And he tried to run from God and run from the presence of God as far away as he could. He gets on a boat. They realize the storm is Jonah's fault. They throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a big fish, and he's in the belly of the fish. Do you think now God might have Jonah's attention? He would have my attention. And what had happened is Jonah had drifted and ran from the presence of God. But God didn't run from Jonah. And God knew where to find Jonah. And and Jonah's testimony is this. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 2, Jonah, from the belly of this fish, said, I cried out to the Lord in my great success. Is that what he said? No, we don't usually cry out to the Lord in our times of success. He said, no, I cried out to the Lord in my great, say it, church, distress. God got his attention. He needed the presence of the Lord back in his life. And here's the good news. Jonah says, I cried out in my great distress, and he answered me. And as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. I remembered his presence in my life. And God used that to bring Jonah back to him and do what God had asked Jonah to do. 
You know, and when life is difficult and life is hard and we face those moments in life where we feel like this is more than I can handle, sometimes we begin to question God. We begin to doubt God. And we say, you know, has God forgotten about me? Does God not care about me? Why am I not experiencing his presence in my life? I mean, if God is all good and loving and all powerful, then why am I, I going through this? And it may be because he wants you to experience his presence in your life. And when the storms come and the wind blows and the waves crash, I want you to remember this, Orchard Church. You have it in your notes. Some of you need to hear this today. Some of you need to write this down. Some of you need to memorize this. Never allow the presence of the storm to cause you to doubt the presence of the Savior. Okay, that was a lot better than how you guys responded to that. So I'm going to say it again. Never allow the presence of the storm to cause you to doubt the presence of the Savior. Amen? I mean, that is good stuff today. You need to remember that. And sometimes God allows us to experience the things that are more than we can handle to draw us to himself and to experience his presence in our our life. Psalm 145 verse 18 says this, and this is good news. The Lord is close to all who, help me out, call on him. Call on him. Call on his presence. The, the, The Bible says when we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. And sometimes he allows difficult things to come in our life to draw us back to himself and to experience his presence in our life. I remember a couple of times in my life that this happened, but one in particular, some of you have heard my testimony. I grew up in a Christian home. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was eight years old on July 4th, 1976. Some of y'all doing the math. That makes him this old, yes. And uh, I was on fire for God, and I was in my youth group, and I was bringing my friends to Christ. I I felt, believed with all my heart that God called me into full-time vocational ministry when I was in junior high school. I was a seventh grader. But then when I got into high school, I turned 16. I got a job. I got a car. And I drifted away from church. I drifted away from God. And for about the next six years of my life, I really ran from God. And I drifted from his presence in my life. And instead of going off to seminary and Bible college, I went off to the University of Oklahoma. And, you know, I I was going to be a music major there. And so I I spent three years there. And before my senior year, I was was failing many of my classes. You know, I I was just messing around. And so I decided, well, I know what I need to do. I just need to change my major. And so I changed my major like two different times, just trying to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment, which I was never going to find because I was running from God and I was running from his presence But here's what I thank God for. Even though I was running from God, God never ran from me. He ran after me. And the summer before my senior year at the University of Oklahoma, I thought, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to go into the military. You know, I got all these these loans and stuff. So I I, I, uh, signed up for the military to be in the National Guard. I was in the Army National Guard for six years. And so that summer uh, before my senior year, I was at boot camp. You know, I was at basic training at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, it's not hell, but it feels like it in the summer. I can tell you that right now. And I, I went off, and then I was going to go back my senior year. I was going to change my major because I was failing out of all my classes. And I, I get back to school just as school is starting my, my senior year. And I had put all, everything I owned, I'd put in storage, in a storage unit uh, there in, in, in Norman, Oklahoma. And I showed up and found out that my storage unit had been broken into, and everything I owned was gone. Everything had been stolen. My bed, my furniture, everything. Everything I had was stolen. Um, The apartment that I had uh, secured that I thought, they rented out to somebody else. So I didn't have any stuff. I didn't have anywhere to live. My girlfriend at the time that I had had for about a year, that we were kind of somewhat serious, she decided to uh, choose another guy while I was gone to basic training. 
I mean, who would not want all this? I don't understand. Five foot four hunk of burning love, but her loss, Shelly's gain. And so I, I, I lose my stuff, I lose my apartment, I lose my girlfriend. And then if that wasn't bad enough, three weeks into my senior year, my grandmother, who I was very close to, died unexpectedly. Got sick and in three weeks she was gone. This was the grandmother that my freshman year of college wrote me a letter every single day, my freshman year of college. Okay, some of you young people, I just lost you. A letter is where you take a piece of paper (laughs) and a pen and you write words on the paper and you have to fold it up and put it in what's called an envelope. You put a stamp on, you have to put it in a box called a mailbox and then it takes a few days and gets, and every day I would open my mailbox and I'd have a letter from my grandmother. And so my grandmother passed away. And man, I was at a point in my life where I was at the end of my rope and I felt like, man, this is more than I can handle. And God used that to draw me back to himself because in that time of my life, a friend of mine that I grew up in church with invited me back to church. I went to church, got my life straightened out, back on track, and then I went off to Bible college and now I've been in full-time vocational ministry for over 27 years. And that would have never happened if God hadn't allowed me to face a time that was more than I could handle so that I could experience his presence once again in my life. And you know, in in our lives, we go through valleys and we go through mountaintops. And we all love the mountaintop. But what I've learned is this. I'd rather live in the valley experiencing the presence of Jesus than on the mountaintop without the presence of Jesus. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Let's say it together, church. For you are with me. We may walk away from the Lord, but he never walks away from us. Why would God allow you to have more than you could handle? Number one, to experience his presence. To experience his presence. Here's the second reason why sometimes God will allow us to have more than we can handle. Not only to experience his presence in our life, but to experience his power. To experience his power. We sing about it. There's power in the name of Jesus. You know, it's unfortunate, but there's, there's so many people that are trying to go through life, even as Christians, believers in Jesus Christ that has the Spirit of God in them, but they're trying to go through the Christian life in their own strength and their own power. And it's silly. It's crazy. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. The things that we sometimes try to do in our own strength and our own power when we have Jesus. Uh, let me illustrate it this way. Um, last fall, we were watching one of the Broncos games, and uh, several of the guys and, and the ladies from our staff were, were at someone's house, and we were watching the Broncos game. The game got over, and we were just kind of hanging out, and we were talking, and, and, and I don't know how this came up, but guys can be just kind of silly sometimes. And so all of a sudden, the guys started bragging about uh, the things they could do, you know, how strong they were and whatever. And I said, oh, yeah? Well, I used to, when I was in middle school, I was a gymnast. Okay, laugh it up. Go ahead. I was a gymnast, I was a jockey, Oompa Loompa, anyway. um, So I I said, yeah, well, can you do this? And I had these two chairs, because I used to do the parallel bars and some other stuff, and so I had these two chairs, and I put my feet straight out like this, and I could hold two feet for like 20 seconds. I can still do it today. I thought about doing it in the service, but I didn't want to make some of the rest of the guys look bad, so I (laughs) thought I'd, but, so I'm like holding my feet out, you know, straight up, and so Marcial, our Spanish pastor, didn't he do a great job last Sunday? Yeah. Make... (laughs) 
I got to up my game following that. And so Marcial is like, oh, I can do that too. And so he gets the chair and he's, he's like, uh, you know, he, he's trying to kick his feet up there and he can't do it. And so then I said, oh, well, then try this. And I used to could like walk on my hands. I could walk, used to could is an oaky term for used to be able to do something, okay? And so I used to be able to stand up on my hands and, and I could go across this entire stage. I, I, I can still do two or three steps. I'm not going to do that either. But I, I, I could do that. And so I, I said, well, can you do this? And so I walked, you know, several steps on my hands. And so Marcial was like, oh, I can do that. And so he's, he's like falling over and everything. And he, he can't, he's, he tries to get a running start and cheat and everything else. And he goes, oh, yeah? He said, less arm wrestle. I said, all right, bring it on. And so we get it. And everybody in the house, there's like 20 people. They're all gathered around. Come on. Yeah, go, go, go. And so we're on the table and somebody says, go. And we're like. <laughs> and so, I mean, we're like locked up. And so like I, I get him a little bit. And then we go back in the middle, and then he'd get me a little bit. And we would, I mean, it was like this for like, it felt like 20 minutes. I mean, it was, and we were just locked up going through this. And I'd get him a little, and then he said later, I could not beat him because he's my boss. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I would just think I was going to beat him, and he would get me back, and then I would hold him. And so we finally, we both just gave up. And, and, and nobody beat each other. And uh, let me just tell you, I, I'd never admitted this to Marcial before, but I could not move my right arm for the next, like, two weeks. I was taking, like, extra strength Tylenol, Advil, you name it. And, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I damaged something. And I was walking around like, hey, how you doing, you know? And I, I, it was, I couldn't sleep at night. It was keeping me up. And I thought, that was so dumb. That was so stupid. What did that prove? That didn't accomplish anything, trying to show how strong that we are. And I thought about this as in our Christian life. Don't we do the same thing? Sometimes we go through the Christian life and we're like, I got this, God. I'll let you know if I need you. I'm good. I'm good. I can handle this on my own. Because somebody told us, God will never give you more than you can handle. Okay, I'm going to handle it. And it's just not true. God never said that. Listen, Orchard Church, we were created to need God. We were created. Yeah, let's celebrate that. We were created to need his power, to need his strength, to need his presence in our life. We were created for him. You're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 8. Let me give you an example of this. First, or 2 Corinthians 12, 8. This is, uh, again, written by the Apostle Paul. And let me give you the context. The, the Apostle Paul, throughout his writings in the Scripture, many times he mentions that he has some kind of physical challenge. Um, scholars and theologians have guessed at this and, and theorized for centuries that maybe it was something to do with his eyes because we know that several of his letters were actually written by someone else as he dictated it to him. We don't know for sure. We don't know. But we know that what we do know is he had some kind of chronic ongoing health challenge. And three different times he pleaded with God to take away this health challenge because 
For, for Paul, it was more than he could handle. And when we read that three times he pleaded with God, it wasn't like he just prayed three times. It's like three seasons. He's praying, he's begging, he's fasting. God, please take this away. Please take this away. Now, can we all agree God certainly has enough power and strength to, to, to heal Paul? He could have, amen? And I mean, and humanly speaking, I look at Paul and this incredible man of faith and all the things he did for God, and I think, man, if anyone ever deserved to have their prayers answered, it was Paul. Well, God did answer his prayers, but not the way he expected. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 12.8. Paul says three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away, this ongoing health challenge. Each time he, he said, this is what the Lord said, my grace is all you need. My, say it church, power works best in weakness. Paul, no, I'm not going to take it away because I want you to experience my power. And you know when you experience my power? In weakness. So Paul responds to this. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. How, how can you do that, Paul? So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I now take pleasure in my weakness and the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Let's say it together, church. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And God may be saying the same thing to some of you this morning. And you're wondering, why has God allowed this thing to be in my life right now that seems like more than I can handle? Why am I facing this ongoing health challenge? Or somebody I love, you know, why do I have cancer? Or somebody I love, why, why did somebody I love or care about pass away? Why are we financially struggling all the time? We can never make ends meet. Why, why can't I ever find a job? Why can't I ever keep a job? Why are my relationships struggling? It may be that God has allowed that to happen so that you could experience his power in your life. Because when we're weak, we're strong. Not in our strength, not in our power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. I know I've shared with uh, you guys before about our daughter, Caitlin. We call her Missy. She's 19 years of age, and she has an autoimmune disease uh, they're still trying to identify exactly what it is. She's just recently gone to some specialists and rheumatologists, and, and we're working through it, and she's had thousands of dollars of blood tests, and they're trying to, to you know, identify exactly what it is, and they're trying you know, different treatments and, and medication and, and different things. And, and I know many of you have asked about her, and you've been praying for her, and I thank you because it's working. Prayer is working um, because we believe she's starting to turn a corner. They said, You're, this isn't gonna be cured unless we find a cure for this disease. It's gonna be something you have to live with, you have to deal with, uh, but we're going to try to, you know, give you medication to cope with this, and I thank you for your prayers, and as difficult as it is as a parent to watch your 19-year-old daughter struggle with an autoimmune disease, there's beauty in what we're watching because God is using this to display his presence and his power in her life. She's realizing, I, I can't go through life on my own. I can't do this in my own strength and my own power, and I don't have to because I know Jesus. Amen? I know Jesus. And as difficult as it is to watch as a parent, it's also beautiful to watch as he's using this in her life. You know, I say it all the time. There's things that come in our life we say, I wouldn't choose that 
But God used that to show his presence, to show his power in my life. And some of you today, man, you need to hear this. You're struggling, you're hurting, you're going through a trial, a difficulty. And God wants you to experience his, his power. And there's times in your life that he's going to allow you to face more than you can handle so he can show up in his power and strength. Listen, parents, it's, it's Mother's Day, I know. If you got little ones running around your house, there's going to be days that you feel like that's more than you can handle. Amen, moms? Amen, dads? I've been there, done that. If you have teenagers in your home, parents, there's going to be days you absolutely feel like it's more than you can handle. Amen? You, and then when they get a little bit older and you send one of them off to college and they're eight and a half hours away and they're going through difficulties and you can't just run over there and be there, you feel like as a parent, man, this is more than I can handle. If you're, if you're married, how many of y'all are married? Okay, married? Notice I didn't say happily married, I just said married. Okay, how many of y'all are married? Listen, if you're a man married to a woman, there's going to be days you feel like this is more than I can handle. <laughs> hold on, hold on. If you're a woman married to a man, there's definitely going to be days where you feel like this is more than I can handle. Amen, ladies? <laughs> oh, yeah, you like that. <laughs> if you're a single person, sometimes you feel alone, you feel isolated, you see everybody else getting married, and you're like, why am I not married? And you feel like, man, this is more than I can handle. If you have to face the most unfortunate situation that your spouse decides not to be faithful to the vows they made to you, and they decide to walk away, man, I can feel like that is more than I can handle. And when we face those times of life where we go, man, this, why is God allowing something more than I can handle? Here, here's what we often say in our humanness. We say, I've got to be strong. I've got to be strong. And people who, that care about you will even say, you just got to be strong. You've got to be strong. No, no, no. If you're, a G, if you're a Christ follower, the key is not, I've got to be strong. The key is, I got to be weak. Because when I'm weak, I'm strong. Not in my power and strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. So, yeah, we praise God for that. So as I wrap this up this morning, when you're going through a trial, you're going through a difficult time in your life, I want to ask you this question. You can face those trials and tribulations and difficult times in life when you feel like this is more than I can handle in one of two ways. You can try to row through those times, or you can sail through those times. And I want to ask you, are you rowing, or are you sailing? I mean, these guys that are rowing, they're trying to do it in their own strength and their own power and all that. And this guy who's sailing, he's put up his sail, he's caught the wind, and he's just kicked back. And let me remind you, those of you that have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he put Holy Spirit power inside of you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. Why would we not tap in to that power? So you put up your sails and you catch the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can sail through those difficult times of life. Stop rowing and start sailing. And understand, until God is all you have, you'll never realize he's all you need. Until God is all you have, you'll never realize that he's all you need. So when someone says, God will never give you more than you can handle, God never said that. God will sometimes allow us to face more than we can handle. Why? So we can experience his presence. We can experience his power in our life. So I would encourage you today, church, stop rowing and start sailing.
start sailing. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in and through us and through your word today and that it would strengthen and encourage those that need to be lifted up in their faith. It would challenge those that need to be challenged. For those maybe that have drifted from your presence, that you would use the difficult trials of life to draw them back to you, to your, your presence and your power in their life. So we continue in an attitude of prayer right now, heads bowed and eyes closed. How many of you would be honest enough this morning to say, you know what, I'm going through something in my life right now that I feel like is more than I can handle and I need his presence and power. I want to stop rowing and I want to start sailing. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hands all across the auditorium? Lift them up nice and high. God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those today that are in the midst of a trial. The season of their life right now is difficult and they feel like it's more than they can handle. I pray that this message from your word and your spirit today would lift them up and encourage them and give them strength. That they would experience your presence. That they would experience your power in their life, reminding us that you never leave us, you never forsake us, and that we'd never allow the presence of the storm to cause us to forget the presence of the Savior. So we continue an attitude of prayer right now. There may be some of you here this morning that if you're honest, you're going through more than you can handle in your life right now because God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to draw you to himself to show you your need for Jesus, your need for a Savior. We were created, you were created to know God and to have Him in your life. And if you've never said yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you're not going to experience His presence and power until you do. And some of you, you know who you are. God is speaking to you right now. His Spirit is speaking to you right now. And He's saying, you know what? It's time to say yes to Jesus. And if that's you, you know who you are. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Right now in this service. Your whole life, for some of you, may have been preparing you for this day and this moment in time to say yes to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do what the Bible says. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For God so loved the world, that includes you, that whoever will believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I want to give you an opportunity to call on him today, to say yes to him today through a simple prayer. I'll help you with the words. I'm not going to ask you to stand up, speak up, or come up, or anything like that. I'm just going to ask you to be willing to open your heart to Jesus and pray this prayer with me. If, if Jesus is speaking to you in that way. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if it comes from your heart, you can say yes to Jesus today. You know who you are. If it's your time, if it's your day, would you pray this prayer with me right now? It goes like this. Jesus, I need you. I need your presence. I need your power. I need you to be my Savior. To save me from my sins and myself. Jesus, I'm saying yes to you today. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and dying for me. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around for just a moment. Listen, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I, I would never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer with me and you prayed it to God and he heard your heart, it's the most important decision you could ever make. And we take that very seriously here at Orchard Church. And I would love the privilege and the honor to pray for you. 
that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So right now, on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, would you just slip up your hand so that I could pray for you? One, two, three. Just lift them up all across our door. Keep them up nice and high. God bless you. One, two, three, four right here. God bless you. One, two over here. God bless you. Two or three people up there. God bless you here. Amen. God bless you, sir, over here. God bless you here. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. But before I do, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you just raise your hand, as I'm praying for you, because you just made the most important decision of your life, and you may be like, okay, what's next? Here's what's next. I want to ask you to take out that connection card that's in your newsletter right now. If you raised your hand and you accepted Christ, take that out. Check that box that says, I accepted Christ today. Give me your name and mailing address because we're going to continue to pray for you by name. And we're going to send you a free little book in the mail called Seven Steps to Joy that will help you in your next steps and your journey and your walk with Jesus. And you can drop that in the offering when it goes by here in just a few minutes. And so you do that. You be filling that out as I'm praying for you. Father, we thank you for all those putting their faith and trust in you today. We pray that they would fall in love with you in the same way that you have loved them. We love you because you loved us first. And Lord, we pray that they would experience the fullness of joy of knowing the Savior, that they would experience your full presence and power in their life. We thank you and celebrate their decision. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters of Christ. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate decisions for Jesus again today. Amen. Amen. Those of you that accepted Christ, please just continue to fill out that card, drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by so we can continue to pray for you, send you that book. If you are a first-time guest here at Orchard Church, thanks for being our guest. Hopefully filled out the guest connection card. Uh, please drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by at our time of worship. Um, we're going to send you a thank you note in the mail, uh, just thanking you for being our, our guest and a free gift. And so we'll do that here in just a few minutes. Um, also, if you're new to Orchard Church, I'd love to meet you personally. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the blue tent after the service is over. Um, we've got a couple other things to share with you, and then something really awesome we're going to celebrate here in just a moment. Again, remember, next week, I'll be answering your questions. So if you have questions, fill those out, drop them in the offering bucket. You can also do them online. And then an uh, announcement I want to share with you guys. Some of you maybe have been seeing this on some of our literature on the new blue tent. Uh, we are no longer just Orchard Church. We now have a new name, and it's only slightly changed by a dot. Uh, we are now Orchard.Church. You say, okay, why? Because that is our website address and our name. They came out with a new domain, .Church. It took us months and months, but we got it. Nobody else can have it. So you can just go to Orchard.Church. That gets you to our website. Pretty cool, huh? And that is going to be on the side of our new building opening this fall as everybody drives by. So our name and our website, all the same. Our email is at orchard.church. Simplified, so we're excited about that. We'll be uh, transitioning over to that in the next six months or so. You can still use the old one, but it'll go away eventually. Uh, before we close in a song of worship and worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings today, um, last Sunday was our second quarter baptisms. This is where people are going public with their faith. Those who've said yes to Jesus, they want to uh, make it known publicly. First quarter, we had 61 baptized, and we were like, Wow. So we didn't know what to expect. Last Sunday, we had 56 again that got baptized. So 117 have already been baptized this year, gone public with their faith. And so enjoy this video right now before we close in a song of worship of those who went public with their faith.